0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Pacific Review from ABC Radio Australia. I'm Priyanka Srinivasan. Coming up, authorities in New Caledonia have captured the shark believed to have killed an Australian man in Numia. But the French Territory's culling campaign has drawn criticism from shark experts.
2: That, that is the approach that was applied since the 60s and, and we, we were never from a scientific pure scientific point of view never able to, to demonstrate that it works.
1: Online gambling takes off in PNG, but there are concerns. Not everyone is aware of the financial impacts.
3: There is a lot of risk involved with gambling. And I tell people, but not a lot of people tend to Listen to my advice.
1: And women are taking to Facebook to try and find out if their partners have been cheating on them. But could the social media groups have legal risks at hand? Creating these
4: sites, there's really no right of reply and certainly could be seen uh, potentially as defamation.
1: First, though, Fiji's former Prime Minister and leader of opposition, Frank Bainimarama, has been suspended from Parliament for three years. He was removed from office in a marathon Parliament session just two months after he lost his Prime Ministership in the general election. Evan Wasuka takes a look at how it all unfolded.
5: For more than a decade, Frank Bainimarama held sway over the country. The leader of the Fiji First Party had his power base firmly rooted in Parliament. But on Friday, it was Parliament and the majority of MPs there who voted to suspend him. Mr. Bainimarama's Rama's transgression was a speech he delivered five days earlier, criticising the President of Fiji. But because the President has failed to protect the Constitution, the rule of law, and failed to halt the resultant chaos, Mr. Speaker, the President of the Republic of Fiji as head of state, in whom rests the executive authority of the state, and who is the commander-in-chief of the Republic of Fiji Military Forces, failed to acknowledge the fact that the very constitution which is supposed to uphold is being stripped away almost on a daily basis. As the commander-in-chief, He has failed to provide proper guidance to the RFMA. Parliament's Privileges Committee found Mr Bainimarama's words breached Section 62 of its standing order. Women's Minister and member of the Privileges Committee, Linda Tabuya, moved a motion to suspend Mr Bainimarama. It came after the committee deliberated on the matter for three days.
6: The Privileges Committee has recommended actions to be taken and we request the members to consider the recommendations as put forward. And I commend the motion to the House. Thank you, Honourable Speaker.
5: As expected, it drew heated debate on the floor of Parliament. This is Deputy Prime Minister, Professor Biman Prasad. So, Mr Speaker, such cowardly behaviour in weaponising one's immunity-laden privilege words, inciting others to do his bidding, Mr Speaker, is not acceptable. Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka urged forgiveness for Mr. Bainimarama, saying he too had been in the same situation after he led the military coup in 1987. I'm probably a lone voice on this side of the house, but I can afford to say that because I have been forgiven many times. The highest or the most serious offense that can be committed in a country is treason, and I was forgiven. Following the Prime Minister's call for leniency, the Privileges Committee amended the motion lightening the disciplinary action. This is Linda Tambuya again.
6: I move that the amendment be made to the motion as follows. Honourable Chosaya, one, that Honourable Chosaya Ambani Marama be suspended for 18 months, effective immediately, to be served till 17th August 2024. Two... The Honorable Josiah Bainimarama issue a written apology to His Excellency the President within 14 days from today. But for
5: Mr. Bainimarama supporters, those concessions didn't go far enough. This is
2: MP John Usumate. You only apologize if you know that you've done something wrong. And as I've pointed out here, <laughs> Mr. Speaker, <laughs> sir, That is why I was talking about what I talk talk about. You require him to apologize. You cannot apologize if there was no call for sedition taking place. If that did not take place, then how can there be an apology?
5: Speaker of Parliament Ratun Nangama Lalambalavu announced the result with little fanfare. Honorable members, the motion is carried. Mr Baini Marama's suspension leaves the country without an opposition leader and the Fiji First Party will now have to decide if they'll put in a replacement. His exit from politics, although temporary, weakens the Fiji First Party even further, and it leaves the country without the single highest polling politician from December's national election.
1: Evan Wasuka reporting there. Meanwhile, New Caledonia's response to three recent shark attacks has come under fire by shark experts after an Australian man was fatally bitten while swimming off the French Pacific Island. Sydney software engineer Chris Davis was close to a pontoon just 150 meters off the beach when he was mauled several times. It's the third shark attack in less than a month in New Caledonia. Authorities responded with a shark culling campaign, killing two tiger sharks, and a bull shark believed to be behind the attack. But Pacific shark expert Eric Kluwer says that response was misguided.
2: Well, of course, it's, it's a tragedy, like, like usually. But people may get the feeling that, you know, that shark attacks are increasing in Pacific. But I would say that it's not really the case, you know, if you look at statistics doesn't really move uh, uh, and, and increase. There is basically two hotspots, you know, for shark attacks. One is Australia and the other one is unfortunately New Caledonia. But we have something an average like one or two fatal bites, you know, each year. So that doesn't really change. Maybe what make, makes people think uh, there is an increase is what we call cluster. You know, the cluster, the, the concept is like several bites, you know, in a confined area with a very short uh, uh, period of time. And that actually uh, happened in, in Australia a few years ago, and it's now happening you know, in New Caledonia. So basically, I think we have a problem with, uh, with a single shark, you know what I mean? And with uh, several bites by the same individual, and that gives the feeling that, that, that things have changed, that, that uh, I would say shark became crazy, but it's not really the case, actually.
1: Okay, so so you suspect this might be the same shark causing these uh, attacks. I mean, you said it, it isn't a crazy shark behind it, but but why why might a shark be returning to um, bite humans in such a way?
2: Well, the, yes, that, that, that I would say that is a, a tricky question, actually. Um, the, the hypothesis I'm working now on, and I, I basically trust it more and more every day. I would say that uh, recently in the Caribbean, we just showed that a tiger shark uh, had bitten uh, twice. You know, uh, people um, in a very uh, close area, like 85 kilometers apart, and, and one month uh, apart. You know, for, for, from the, the two bites. Basically, uh, we are we are, are facing what we call a problem individuals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and these animals, actually, they are very very few, very scarce. And what we have to understand that they require to have very specific, you know, personalities, uh, being very bold, very risk taking. And and I would say that there are so few because they must dare, you know, attacking, you know, a human, uh, given that humans are not actually instinctive praise, you know, for the sharks. That is that is something that uh, it's very critical to, to understand. So. These sharks that are, I, I repeat it, quite bold and risk-taking, you know, they, ne- they need that, which is personality traits, specific ones. They need a personal history also, which is based on, on positive reinforcement, being bold, you know, they, 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 they get awarded for that. Mm-hmm. They need to be very hungry, and they need also to face, uh, to encounter, you know, um, a good opportunity, you know, to, to, feed, to feed on humans. So if you put all that together, actually, you better understand that there is actually very few, uh, uh, bites uh, of what we call predation, because actually in that case, and it's a bit scary, I, I, I admit it, you know, the human is considered a, as a prey. But that doesn't really happen often, as I said, like maybe once or, or a couple of times a, a year.
1: And Eric, I wanted to return now to, to this um, tragedy in New Caledonia with this Australian man dying. Now, the New Caledonia's response to this has been quite swift. They've evacuated and closed all the beaches. And they've also done something that's a bit more controversial. They've launched a campaign to capture and kill the sharks. Um, and this happened previously with those two other shark attacks in, in the last month as well. And now, some say that, you know, this is sort of going on over the top, that, you know, there should be a more humane response. What do you make, it, or make of it? Is, is the right response to, to kill, to, to um, do this culling campaign of the sharks?
2: No, it's definitely not the right the right uh, approach. I would say uh, that that is the approach that was applied since the 60s, and and we we were never from a scientific pure scientific point of view, never able to to demonstrate that it works. And if you take the the uh, last uh, uh, example, which is Réunion Island, you know, in the, in Indian Ocean, you know, mm-hmm. they had that problem of cluster also. So there was like five fatal attacks, you know, between. 2010 and 2013. So they started what we call killing campaigns, you know, these blind campaigns that you are killing sharks without any uh, discrimination. And between 2014 and 2020, they had six additional fatal attacks. So we know now that it doesn't work, even work. So it's not even about deontology, which is also a problem, you know, in that case, it's just that it doesn't work. So on the contrary, what I am proposing is is a much uh, adapt, you know, strategy, which is actually to find these problem individuals. And for doing so, we need to do two things that so far we are not really implementing, unfortunately. First of all, we need to to get the DNA of the shark, you know, on the victims, we we need to do swabbings, you know, like like you do, you know, in medical forensics, you know, for humans. We need to do that, you know, after shark attacks, and then you can identify the, the the problem sharks, and you can retrieve it. But I would say surgically, you know, you you don't you don't kill other animals. You just kill the animal that you have the proof that he has he has been beat, biting already. Uh, we should identify the shark, you know, by recovering by doing swabbing, you know, on the victim. Then we can get the individual profile genetic. Profile. For other sharks, and then we should be uh, uh, we should be fishing shark, but not for killing them, for killing them. We should be fishing them, you know, to identify them. And of course, if we can get that that shark identified, then we can we can surgically, you know, retrieve it, take it from 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 the ecosystem. But mm-hmm. but it's worth it, it's useless. I mean, to kill other um, uh, other sharks that has, they have nothing to do, you know, with with the, with the problem actually.
1: Pacific shark expert Eric Kluwer speaking there. And now to a story on the rise of online gambling in Papua New Guinea, which is being fueled by love of sport and advances in internet connectivity. But while the allure of winning big draws punters in, experts warn there can be risks. Marion Farr delves into the world of sports betting to see why it's become so popular. For lay resident Jotham
7: Aaron, it all began with a passion for soccer. And it's saved by
3: I watched the European leagues and I always noticed the bet 365, like advertisement would always flash on the field.
7: That's how he first found out about online gambling.
3: From 2017 onwards, that's it. I got a Visa card and all that and I created an account with them and I've been betting ever since. Hmm.
7: The platform allows users to bet their money on the outcome of a sporting event. While his favourite is still soccer, he now also bets on the NRL and other matches.
3: Tennis, I love tennis, so I'm always like betting on tennis on the major tournaments, Wimbledon, Australian Open, US Open, French Open, that boxing and MMA fighting.
7: When Mr. Aaron places a bet online, it can be exciting.
3: If I'm wagering a small amount and like I just feel excited and like hopeful that my bet can come in
7: but when there's more money at stake the experience is nerve-wracking
3: if it's a football match and I tip a team to win and I put a like a large amount of money on it and the payout's going to be big and maybe the last 10 minutes then I just like walk around and just occasionally just glance at the screen and stuff to find the result
7: for him online betting has become a regular hobby
3: what I like about it is, well, you can just bet anytime on anywhere, just at home.
7: Mr. Aaron now runs a Facebook group where people discuss tips and strategies for online gambling.
3: A lot of people inbox me and then they ask me, like, how do I get involved with Bet365, so-and-so, and, so? and um, I advise them how to and even assist them in creating their own accounts.
7: Dr. Amanda Watson is an expert in digital technology in the Pacific. She says internet access across PNG has increased rapidly since 2007.
8: The access enables many good things, such as people using the internet to research things and find out accurate information from reliable sources regarding health, educational resources and so on. But of course the internet access can also enable uh, problematic or challenging things or things that people are not familiar with because it's new, such as scams uh such as fraud and financial scams as well as the the betting that you're referring to
7: Mr. Aaron believes social media is fueling the rise in online gambling around PNG In his Facebook forum people hop online to post about their
3: winnings like they advertise like winning tickets of people like they show that okay this person with just a 10 kina bet he has won like 10,000 kina 5,000 kina when people see things like that that they think like I can do it too.
7: That's how Port Moresby resident Eddie Tito got into online betting 3 years ago. So, it got my interest and then I decided to sign up for
6: one or two of the online betting platforms.
7: Over the years, he estimates he's lost up to 300 US dollars through online gambling. But it's not enough to deter him completely.
6: I Probably try
3: my luck on some other platforms. Maybe luck will come my way on other platforms.
7: And the rise in online gambling is not just happening in PNG. Around the world, internet betting is becoming increasingly popular due to its accessibility. But some experts say that can carry serious risks.
6: You can place a bet pretty much anywhere, anytime, via your mobile phone, with apps or, you know, on your laptop via their websites. And their apps are also very easy to use, they're very streamlined.
7: Associate Professor Alex Russell is a researcher with the Experimental Gambling Research Laboratory in Australia.
6: The ability to bet, you know, any time, even when you're a bit out of control, perhaps, uh, with no one really watching over your shoulder to make sure that you're not betting more than you should, um, and the ability to do it with money that's not yours, uh, via credit, those are some of the main concerns there.
7: Professor Russell says online gambling can become especially addictive when people use it to escape
6: you're experiencing you know sort of hardships and you need to get out of it then uh, gambling is often a very common way to do it because you can unwind you can forget about life's issues while you're placing a few bets and um, waiting for them to come in
7: on average do most people who gamble online lose money or make money over time
6: most people will come out behind
7: he says the playing field isn't always fair.
6: Some bookies will say, uh, you're coming out ahead, we're going to restrict the size of the bets you can place or we're going to not allow you to use promotions or, or things like that and even cut you off completely because we think that you're trying to rig the system against us. So while you should be able to come out ahead more than you do, that's not necessarily the case.
7: In 2007, Papua New Guinea passed legislation to allow overseas gambling websites to register and operate in PNG with a licence. But Professor Russell says it can be a difficult space for governments to regulate. Sometimes overseas gambling sites may operate illegally in a country and there's a risk that users won't get paid.
6: As an example, if I were to put money into an online casino overseas and then they you know disappeared um, and took my money with them, um, even if I had their contact details and things like that, the Australian authorities would say, look, we can try, but there's not really much we can do about this because they're not an Australian business. They shouldn't have been offering their service to you and, and they were dodgy for that.
7: He says it's important to gamble responsibly. Things like not betting impulsively, and regularly checking your statements to see how much you've won or lost is a good place to start.
6: There are more and more tools becoming available. One of the big ones that's, um, that's popping up is setting limits.
7: That's the advice lay resident Jotham Aaron also gives to people who come to him for betting tips.
3: There is a lot of risk involved with gambling. I tell people, but not a lot of people tend to... Listen to my advice. I mean, the main thing is like, you gamble responsibly and never bet more than you can afford to lose.
1: P&G resident Jotham Aron ending that report by Marion Farr. And now, in the murky world of online dating, many women feel their reports of bad behaviour won't be taken seriously by apps or the authorities. That's given rise to a spate of Facebook pages where users share allegations of infidelity against men they have dated. Thousands have joined a page for Polynesians in Brisbane, with posts airing all kinds of dirty laundry to the masses. But, as Melissa Makin reports, experts say it could become a defamation minefield.
0: If you're a Pacific Islander looking for love online, you've probably heard about this trend. Several pages have cropped up across Australia and the Pacific in recent weeks, where women cross-check their boyfriends with one another. Tongan woman Esatia Tupol created a group for Polynesians in Brisbane. She says she just wants to keep other Polynesian women safe, and there are now more than seven thousand members in the group.
8: Um, am I- admin wanted to look out for our poly sisters those that have been hurt or those that are concerned and those that were worried if their man was
0: cheating on the brisbane focused page posts by members identify men by their name and photo and ask other members for the tea or gossip about them
8: some post actually was really sad girls posting i have really have faith in him but i'm just i'm just scared to to do this, this. I'm just wondering if anyone is talking to him. And then you see a bunch of girls saying, oh, girl, you better run. And this is what we wanted them to find out the truth, basically.
0: Esatia says the page has caused quite a stir in the community.
8: We've seen so much screenshots of people threatening each other. If you, like, bring up their past or anything like that, they'll get, like, you know, smashed. For us, admin and mods, we take it down
0: so it doesn't escalate. The ABC reached out to several men featured on the Facebook page for Polynesians but did not receive a response. Esatia says girl cousins
8: have also been vocal critics of the group. They bring up their past but they're in a um, stable relationship and the worst thing is, is the girl cousins are on there and so... Obviously they're gonna be you know, be arguing in the comments saying, well, he's not that anymore and this this, this and then
0: Fijian social worker and academic Georgie Ravulo has a theory for why the pages gained so much traction in the diaspora.
6: As Pacific communities, we're relationally and communally driven. I'm always conscious about the way in which family are also inextricably connected to that relationship and the way in which other family members may have an influence and impact on that relationship dynamic. Because our families are inextricably connected to our own individual identities.
0: He's helped counsel Pacific Island couples who found themselves in this situation.
6: Communication is key to any good relationship. In my experience of working as a counsellor with couples, one of the key things that I focus on a lot of the time is this idea of expectations and creating scope for those expectations to be communicated and understood. And that really does provide scope for people to then create a safe and sustainable relationship. A
0: recent survey by the Australian Institute of Criminology found three in four of respondents had experienced a form of sexual violence by a person they met online in the past five years. Associate Professor Jacqueline Drew from Griffith University's Criminology Institute says not enough has been done to keep women safe online.
4: It's difficult um, to identify or screen people that, that on the internet, you know, putting up their, their profiles unless they provide reliable information. But things are slowly changing. I think it's definitely on the agenda uh, for dating apps and and dating platforms that they believe that they have a responsibility uh, for the service they provide, that they're providing a safe environment for people to meet online.
0: While it may be well-intentioned, Professor Drew says posting about current or former partners on social media is not the best way to resolve issues.
4: By creating these sites, there's really no right of reply and certainly could be seen, uh, potentially, as defamation. Professor Drew says it might
0: also put women in harm's way.
4: If the the people that they're posting about um, have a violent history, um, that is going to um, spark cause, perhaps as you've as you've talked about for revenge. Um, so there's an escalation of the dangers that are actually. Um, potentially going to be experienced by these these women. She urged women to use official channels to make a complaint. Dating platforms can only look at the people that are using their platforms if they have information given to them. So I would certainly encourage women to use those formal channels that we have available to report bad behaviour online or report information they think uh, needs to be, the dating platform needs to know about to protect others. The other side of that coin is that dating platforms and police agencies have to take this issue seriously. So they have to ensure that those reporting mechanisms are available, they're easy to use, Uh and they take the information seriously and they follow it up.
8: To the girls, especially my, you know, Polynesian sisters, know your worth and your standards. Trust your guts. If he's not the right one, he's not the right one. Don't force anything. To the men, to those that does this, I just hope they grow out of it and see the bigger picture in life.
1: Facebook page administrator Asetia Tupu ending that report from Melissa Macon. And that's it from Pacific Review. I'm Priyanka Srinivasan. Thanks for listening. And do join us again at the same time next week for more news and views from around the Pacific.